0: It's Friday, it's the Snakes cast, it's David and Todd. Hey. And it's literature. Finishing up discussing our uh, games based in books. So, first of all, before we get on to the epic of Middle Earth, there are a couple of games I wanted to touch on that we discussed when we were coming up with ideas for this, where you create the book yourself. Uh, and the first of these is Tales of the Arabian Nights. Have you played this guy? I have not. An excellent game with, in my view, one fairly major flaw that's very easily fixed. Uh, this is a storytelling game, and you don't really play this game to win. Because the way you win this is you go through a bunch of adventures, and the adventures give you certain things, and when you accumulate a certain score, you you can win. Right. And you cannot control how you get those scores. So it's very difficult to plan to win You can try, but it doesn't work terribly well in my experience So it's really a game you play for the experience Exactly And it's one of these choose-your-own-adventure games In the sense where everywhere you move on the board You have an encounter And you have a gigantic book That has something like 1,600 paragraphs in it Or Mm -hmm. 2,000 I can't remember how many it is It's a lot and something happens, and you decide how to try and play it out. And if you have cert- if you've developed certain skills during the course of the game, you might be able to re- interact differently, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and you can get some wonderful stories out of this. But the way that you you're supposed to win is these these things when they work out for you either give you destiny or story points because you are fulfilling your destiny and creating a great historic epic for yourself. Mm-hmm. And what you're supposed to do is at the beginning of the game you create a Balance of those that adds up to 20 So I might say I'm going for 15 Destiny and 5 Story And when I have achieved Both of those, or higher I go back to Baghdad And win the game But you can't control Whether you're going to get Destiny or Story From a particular scenario, you can't even control (laughs) Whether you're going to get points from a particular scenario Which means that that makes for a very lengthy game Goes on for about three and a half hours I have halved the length of that game by saying As soon as you have 20 points between the two Go back to Baghdad and you win and it, it takes it down to about a two-hour game and a much more manageable story. But you get some wonderful stories out of this. I, I had a particularly enjoyable one. I was playing with somebody where they freed an Ifrit who had oh. been trapped in, uh, I forget what, for however many centuries. And they freed mm-hmm. it and did it a great boon, at which point on the very next turn it started chasing my character. <laughs> and I had to run across the board being chased by this Ifrit. And it was just... it was. It wasn't the same encounter at all. It was a totally different ifrit I just happened to have run into.
1: But you get these really <laughs>
0: cool stories out of it. And it makes for a really entertaining evening if, you, if you're not fussed about being overly competitive. Because mm-hmm. somebody will just suddenly win. And you may well feel a little gypped if you were trying to.
1: Right, right. But again, I mean, there are a bunch of games like that where you just throw the points out. Like, yep. I don't know anyone who plays Concept.
0: No, or points. telestrations. Or telestrations. Yeah. Like there's no point. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, there are points. They're just not very well implemented. <laughs> Uh no, Sorry. I, my sincere apologies. Um, the other one which you have played, I know, because we've talked about this, mm. is Shakespeare.
1: Yeah, Shakespeare is this great little worker placement game where you're essentially crafting your own play. Uh, you're going to collect costumes and actors and and uh, uh, build your either comedy or your tragedy as you go on. Um, it's a fantastic little worker placement game and, um, and, and very thematic.
0: It's one of those ones that has that wonderful feeling of you can never quite do everything you want to. Mm-hmm. Which I've heard so many people on different podcasts say that's the mark of a good game where you feel like you're always just trying to catch up. Yeah. And I think it's actually very true. And this is a very good example of that.
1: It is. And it plays in strongly to my actor's nightmare of always going into a. Sh- <laughs> I played. I did a Shakespeare for years and uh, showing up on the day prepared for Romeo and Juliet. And you remember you're playing Macbeth this day. Right. That is my absolute nightmare. <laughs> so,
0: Understandable. So well, I have and a it is anxiety playing it. It's it's very it's a very simple premise as well, which is that the queen is coming to visit in seven mm. days' time, and you have to write, costume, set. Create and put on a play in seven days And you never actually see the finished product per se Yeah, But you see two dress rehearsals Of it and then the final thing and that's the scoring rounds Mm -hmm. But you're writing all three acts Of the play, you're trying to build the set, you're trying to create the costumes You're trying to hire the actors, you're trying to do so Many different things, and different people will Help you in different ways But ultimately you're never going to be able to do everything No, I seem to remember the the last time I played This game I had the set to beat All sets ever in theatre history And my script was just rubbish. <laughs> and that was just the way my game played out. Well, But I theater. still scored pretty well. You know, it's yeah. you, you, you are putting on a hodgepodge. and It's just a question of which bits of it are hodge and which bits of it are podge, essentially. Right. <laughs> um, but it's a great, uh, a great game and heartily recommended. Um, one that I have played, you haven't, mm. which deserves a recommendation and a mention, but I can't remember it well enough to describe it that well, is Paperback. Which is one of these games, it's a deck builder where you are playing out letters to build words. Right. Uh, I've played Dexicon more, which has no literary Mm -hmm. point of reference other than the fact that um, uh, you're creating words. With paperback, you are actually working towards certain goals. Like there might be a goal to create words that have a kind of film noir or like detective pulp fiction
1: sway. Is it true that the the scoring things that you're trying to grab are actual paperback novels? They are. Different They're little, little books oh, and right.
0: and that title will tell you you know, this is, this is the goal that you're trying to work towards and oh, things really? like that. And so it's a bit more, you, you feel a bit more like you're working towards a book than just creating words out of thin air, which is what Dexicon is. It's just mm-hmm. about vocabulary. Yeah. Uh, but I forget all the scoring minutiae of paperback, so mm-hmm. I don't want to go into it in too much depth. I haven't played it in about two years, but it's a great game. Uh, they released Hardback recently as well, and I don't know what that does to it because I haven't played that one. Okay. Um, but paperback at least I would heartily recommend. Oh, amazing. Then there's the big one. There's mm-hmm. the Silmarillion of this podcast, um, <laughs> which is the Lord of the Rings. Uh, which is it, there's how much content is there covering the Lord of the Rings? I oh, mean, we so could go many. on for hours, probably, if we tried.
1: I, I think you know between H.P. Lovecraft and Tolkien, uh, I don't know who has more games
0: that's fair. associated
1: to their, their work.
0: And actually, somebody we we're not mentioning in this one because there's something else planned for that in terms of more detail. But Sherlock Holmes as well. Yeah. Um, Although he, by far and away, has the fewest number of games of those three. But I think he comes into the public eye a lot because there's been a few recently. Right, right. But yeah, anyway, back to Tolkien. Um, What have you played that has stood out to you particularly?
1: Um, War of the Ring. Oh, yes. War of the Ring is a huge um, war game uh, that... Kind of Risk-like, but... uh, has a lot of little minutiae in it like the, uh, the fellowship player has to uh, get the other races riled up enough that they will join in on the war
0: right um,
1: so, which I love that concept Yeah, and, and you also will be moving the fellowship trying to get to Mount Doom and the, 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 uh, the Mordor player uh, they can go on the offensive but as soon as they attack the dwarves or the elves, then the elves will join the war Right. So there's kind of this balance that you're doing, trying to find the fellowship and also trying to provoke the war. It's it's fantastic. For a few years there, a friend of mine and I, we would get together once a year, and we would play uh, War of the Ring because it was such a huge game. And we would spend our first game four or five hours relearning how to play, and then we would play it again.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um,
1: but you always finish the game feeling like you've just played through the novels. Feeling like you've just played through the Lord of the Rings.
0: Which is such a good feeling. Now, it I haven't so I good. haven't played this one, but I remember that feeling when we played Star Trek Fleet Captains. Yes! And you came out that other end, and you just felt like you'd gone through a whole season of the show. Yeah. And it's such a powerful feeling. So I, I must play mm. War of the Ring at some point. So next time you get it out, let me know. I will. It's, um, a, it's a
1: great... Uh, uh, it's a great immersive feeling.
0: Sure. Right. Yeah. And I, Star Wars Rebellion, again, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just to mm-hmm. give people points of reference, if you've played those games, War of the Ring, I think, feels very much like those. Very much like Um They remade, or not remade this, but they did something very similar with Battle of Five Armies, I believe, although I understand it wasn't quite so successful. No.
1: Um, And from what I understand, it was a a more condensed game, a shorter game, so you could actually get like a two or three hour game in, as opposed Mm. to War of the Ring, which can stretch very long. I always wanted to try it, but we didn't have an open copy at Snakes, and uh, the limit of games that I can only play once a year in my house (laughs) is kind of at its
0: maximum. Understandable. Um, Well, one that you can certainly play more than that, and has a very epic feel to it as well, has got to be the Lord of the Rings LCG.
1: Yeah, the LCG is great, and uh, I've only ever played it as a solo. Right, I know you're a big fan of solo games. I am,
0: and I feel like this is this is what I've done with Arkham Horror, mm-hmm. the LCG, which I think they're not dissimilar mechanism.
1: No, if I understand correctly, I think they're they're similar enough. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a great game. It's very uh, um, expandable. Um, I came across a great article on Board Game Geek about uh, using the base set. And, and the card combinations that you should use to get the most bang out of your, your core set oh interesting the, one of the big complaints about it is that the core set um, you don't get enough cards to really do a full game it's just kind of a taste like right. most starter sets and then you have to buy a whole bunch of other stuff but there's a list of the, the order that you should play things and what sort of cards you should play so you, you get about I think 20, 30 games out of that core set... Oh, wow. ...before you become... Uh, before you get to the point where you really need to buy more stuff. That's huge. But Yeah, it's huge. But there's tons and tons of expansions for it, so if mm. you want to dive down the rabbit hole of a huge game and you like solo gaming, uh, the LCG is fantastic. For sure. If you want something more casual, though, the Cryptozoic Lord of the Ring deck-building game, I think, is fantastic.
0: Right. Now, this is... Kind of the brother sister sibling compadre to the DC deck building game, which we talked about in the superheroes episode a couple of weeks ago.
1: Right, and they're all built on the the Ascension deck building engine, essentially. Right. Uh, and the games are all like one of the big complaints about the the Cryptozoic games is that the themes are just plastered on.
0: Yep, so I I'm- I hold my hand up and say <laughs> I make that exact complaint. This say uh, I've only played DC, and I think right. DC mix and matching kind of feels so. Unintuitive between superheroes That I think that's possibly a bad Starting point for somebody who is going to Have that complaint I feel like the Lord of the Rings You know if, if, if Gandalf got Knocked down in front of Frodo Is Frodo just going to leave yeah. Glandering sitting on the floor No, he's going to pick it, up, pick it up And try and smack somebody with it probably So it kind of feels a bit more okay
1: Yeah, I mean But there's also the, the hurdle you have to get past Of you're all playing fellowship characters But you're all working against each other right. There are ways that you can attack each other With with cards uh, But essentially like most deck builders You start off with a, a deck of cards It's not very powerful And then you use those cards to buy other cards And sure. sometimes there are, there are items or there are, or there are companions Or there are villains Uh, What I like about this game, as opposed to a game like Dominion, is that you have a very definite goal. There are a series of bosses that you guys are trying to to uh, defeat. Sorry, okay. the
0: Balrog's woken up.
1: <laughs> As you defeat them, they go into your deck and they're powerful cards that you can play, yeah. and once we've defeated all of them uh, uh, you tally up your points like any other deck builder and whoever has the most points wins. Right. Um, there are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tim has a lot to say about this.
1: There are a ton of, there's a game uh, uh, a Cryptozoic box game for each of the films, because oh, they're wow. all based on the films, and for both of the hobbit films right and you can mix and match them and each of them has a different way that it builds on the game so in the two towers you have a uh um there is uh the walls of helms deep that you also have to deal with oh cool uh in i can't remember what it was i I didn't play the the return of uh, of the king one but there's uh in the hobbit you can uh defeat certain characters and then get more powerful items okay um so i like what they do they're really simple if you just want to sit down and play a game that you can teach to someone in a couple of minutes they're great for sure yeah
0: another one that is just we're going to give a passing mention too quickly and then we'll come on to our last game uh but the lord of the rings the confrontation reina knizia legendary one of the greater quick to learn two-player games out there yeah also accessible if you've ever played stratego Totally, you can just run off that and you know half the game already mm-hmm. um, we've talked about that in multiple episodes I think most significantly if I remember rightly in our two player games episode which happened last year so right. check that out for more information but yeah. that's a big recommendation yeah
1: it's a good game
0: but then there's the one that you have said you were big into <laughs> which I had never played I didn't even know existed until well after I got into board gaming but this just sounds cool and that's the Lord of the Rings miniatures game
1: yes there was a, now I'm not talking about the Lord of the Rings miniature game that came out
0: from Games Workshop right which I was into fairly deep. Yeah. But you're talking about some... Yeah, I remember you said this isn't no, that. It's something else.
1: It's something else. It was uh, the Lord of the Rings tradable miniature game. So this was back in the early 2000s, I guess, when uh, tradable miniatures were really big. So we had Heroclix and Mage Knight and the, the, the Mech Warrior one that uh, uh, came out as well. Okay. Uh, this was produced by Sabertooth Games, which was a subsidiary of Games Workshop. And so you had oh. these models that were exact copies of the game's workshop models, but they were in 54mm instead oh. of 24, so they're huge. I did not know about this. And they were beautiful. And at, at that time, the miniatures from Mage Knight and Heroclix, the paint jobs were so bad. And <laughs> often the the sculpting was terrible. Right. And these miniatures looked fantastic. Mm. Sometimes the faces weren't great, but they're
0: fantastic I mean, miniatures. they're hard to do it at the best of times.
1: yeah. And the uh, the gameplay was actually really good too. It was designed by a gentleman who was in the military, and he was a historian of military tactics. And he brought that into the game. So you have these battle lines. You roll literally a dump truck full of dice, <laughs> and then uh, you take the hits and you roll them again to see if they actually cause wounds. And um, it's just beautiful. It was amazing. Gorgeous. And of the CC uh, of the, the the collectible miniature games of that time. My models are worth more now than they were when I bought them. Oh wow! And that's not yeah. You can't say that about HeroClix or Magic. No, um, a few
0: Games Workshop things maybe, but this sounds like it's even more so.
1: Yeah, like my Balrog. I have this huge Balrog. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous, huge model that now I think is two or three hundred dollars. on.
0: yeah, it's huge. Wow, that's yeah. extraordinary.
1: But it's a, a fantastic game. I, I if you can ever track down some of it, grab it because it's it's wonderful.
0: Awesome, well yeah. I will give you a game of that at some point as well Totally Alrighty, well I think that's about it for this week of the Cast. Thank you Todd very much for coming on and talking to me about this Oh, you're welcome You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to say hi. If you've got any questions for us, if you'd like to discuss anything that you've heard on the podcast, uh, please do so. The Snakescast is produced by DAX Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we hear more from Tim, probably, uh, given how chatty (laughs) he is right now. Uh, And we are going to be talking about the question of how important is theme in gaming. Ah. Uh, The opinions expressed on the Snakescast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. Thank you very much and see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.